Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here this morning. We're glad you're here. And it's good to learn about what God's doing. It's really, you're, you're a part of that. When you give every week to the offering of uh, East Madison, and especially during this Christmas season, <clears throat> as we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and just realize that all the, all the different kind of outreaches, just like the one you saw, we support all around the world. Take the gospel to people who, who have never heard, who have never heard about Jesus. And to places where uh, many places are less than 2% uh, believers. Some of them are, you know, 0.01 and some of them are none. There are people still who have not heard the gospel of Jesus. And so, you know, uh, it's just good to be a part of, of the great mission of, of the church until Jesus comes to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. We're in the gospel of John this morning in chapter 1. The Gospel of John this morning in chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was of he of whom I said, He comes after me. He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and the proclamation of His, of his Word. The title of the message today is The Beginning of Christmas. Now oftentimes we think of Christmas, when we think of Christmas, we think of its beginning uh, in, in the manger in Bethlehem. We think of Jesus born in the barn and, and in Bethlehem as His first bed. Uh, feeding trough for cattle. But that's not really where it all began. Christmas began in eternity in the very heart of God. We have four books in the Bible that tell us about the earthly life of Jesus. Mark begins with the ministry of John the Baptist, proclaiming the coming of Jesus to Israel. Matthew goes back 
to the genealogies of Jesus, connecting him with Abraham and the Israelites and the promises God made to Abraham. Luke's gospel uh, takes us back to the first man. It goes all the way back to Adam. However, none of those places are where Christmas started. Christmas started in the heart of God before eternity began. And that's where John takes us in the Gospel of John. John takes us past human history into eternity and the eternal God of the universe. Uh, He takes us to, to where the eternal God of the universe provided for our redemption before time began. At the beginning of the gospel, John takes us into into eternity and into the very identity of the God who would save us from our sin. From John's gospel, we see this timeless truth that Jesus of Nazareth is the very God of eternity who alone can save us from sin. Jesus of Nazareth is the very God of eternity who alone can save us from sin. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And as we look at this passage, we learn much about Jesus and, and his, eternal, uh, his eternal identity. First of all, we learn uh, the eternal identity of Jesus. Now, John goes back before history began into eternity to tell us who Jesus is. He connects us, he goes back, he connects us with his words in the beginning. He connects us to the very first words of the Bible in Genesis 1.1, where uh, the, the writer of Genesis, where Moses uh, tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John starts in the beginning. Before creation was created, before history began, from eternity to eternity is where John starts. And he tells us, Who was there before time began? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the first chapter of Genesis says again and again, if you read that chapter, God spoke and things were created. His Word caused the creation of all things. And John, in the Gospel, John personifies this by saying that the Word in the beginning was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, we are told, in, in uh, verse 17, became flesh and dwelt among us. And he's identified as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. When John uses the term, the Word, that, that Greek word, logos, uh, uh, he, uh, he is speaking of Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus. And he's saying, Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus was in the beginning. There was never a time that Jesus was not. Jesus has always been. From eternity to eternity, it says, He was with God, which could be translated, He was face to face with God. He was in in eternal communion with the Father. God the Son was in eternal communion with God the Father. The word Jesus, the unique one and only Son, that's what the term only begotten uh, means. The unique one and only Son, God the Son, had face-to-face communion from all eternity with God the Father. He was with God and He was God. He was not a God, but He was God. 
He was in the beginning with God, verse 2 tells us. And he made all things. And not one thing was made without him making it. And, and uh, he made all things, and everything that's been made was made by him. And this also shows us, if you think about this, that, that he was not made at all. Jesus was not created. He was, he was not part of the eternal creation with God. He is part of the eternal triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Without beginning or end, in eternal communion with each other, Jesus was there. He, he, that's who he is. He was not made, but he is from eternity to eternity. It says, he was life. In him was life. And the light is the light of men. You remember what Jesus said to Martha when her brother Lazarus had died. And, he, and, and, and Jesus, uh, Jesus asked her, do you believe he can rise again? And Jesus and she said, I know he can rise again at the last day. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus is life itself. He is life and he is the light of men. Uh, Jesus, the word, the eternal God, uh, God the Son was from forever to forever. He is life and he's the light of men. Uh, it says, the picture, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the picture is not so much just lighting a candle in the dark and illuminating. The picture is the darkness as a force, trying to squash the light, trying to put out the light. But it says, the, the light will not be overcome by the darkness. You need to you remember that today. Think about that today. We live in a dark world. And sometimes it's depressing. What happens uh, in Washington or around the world, it's just flat depressing to think about, to contemplate. And we often think the darkness is going to overcome the light. But no, the light uh, will never be overcome by the darkness. The force of evil will never destroy uh, the force of light and life that is in Jesus Christ. And it, so it says, Jesus is the real light, the true light, the genuine light that comes in the world. He comes. How does he come? It says, the word became flesh. Now, verse 1 affirms his eternal existence by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was with God. He had no beginning, but verse 14 tells us, verse 14 tells us, and the word became flesh. Flesh, human being, flesh that you can touch and feel. It, 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 the word became a body, a human body, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. The one who created the world, the one who made the world, now becomes part of his creation. He becomes flesh. God, the eternal Son, became a human being for us. It says, He dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. And that word, when it talks about dwelling among us, it, it could be translated tented among us or tabernacled. Now that doesn't connect with us too much, but the Israelites would think of the tabernacle where the presence of God was made manifest to them as they 
uh, in the wilderness and as in the early years of the history of Israel. So they would think of God's presence being with them. When it says he tabernacled among us, it would remind them that God was with them, that he was among them, that he was in their midst. That's what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, when John and those eyewitnesses saw Jesus, they saw God, a very God himself. They saw the very glory of the Father because that's who Jesus was. God the Son from eternity to eternity. That's who Jesus was. It's almost incomprehensible. In fact, it really is incomprehensible. We can't totally know what that means. That the eternal God would become a human being to live among us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That the one who created everything would allow himself to become a human baby and live life and suffer the the things that we have suffered so that he could do for us what we could not do for ourselves, die on the cross in our place and provide us eternal life. When you saw Jesus, you saw very God among us. That's who Jesus was. The coming of Jesus Christ into the world began in eternity in the very heart of God. That's the beginning of Christmas. Secondly, we see in this passage the witness of John the Baptist and all believers. Now, John, the apostle who wrote the Gospel of John, uh, introduces to John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. I don't think he uses that term, um, the Baptist, in the Gospel of John, but that's who we're introduced to in chapter 1. It says about John, he was sent from God, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John, was, John the Baptist was sent from God as a witness to the light that all might believe in the light. He was the forerunner, the one who would precede the Messiah, the one prophesied in Malachi and in other places. It says John was not the light, but he came simply to point to the real light, Jesus. That was his task. That was what he, to do, what he was to do. In fact, that's what we are all to do. We are to point to Jesus. John's task was the same same as our own. He was to point to Jesus, to make much of Jesus, to bear witness to Jesus. And and John bore witness to Jesus, and he cried out as Jesus was the one coming after him chronologically, but ranked before him because Jesus existed before him. He was born as a human being, uh, after John. John was actually six months older uh, as a human being. But John recognized that Jesus had existed from eternity to eternity and Jesus was his superior. <coughs> Jesus was his superior. He comes after me. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. That's what John testified of Jesus. John the Baptist was to testify to the identity of Jesus and to his mission. And that's what he was and is to do. He was simply to point to him. It wasn't about John, and John knew this. 
You know, when John's, John's disciples were kind of jealous because his disciples saying, Lord, everybody's going to Jesus now. What did John say? He said, he must become greater. I must become less. The task of every believer is a, is a mirror of what, what John the Baptist did. He must become greater. He must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. Oftentimes we want it to be all about us. And in our culture, especially, we, we have these uh, we have we 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 uh, we have these uh, famous preachers with large followings and all that. And there's nothing wrong with having preaching to crowds. But I'm telling you, it's not about the guy. If it is, you're you're listening to the wrong person, basically. You know, it's it's not about him. It's not about building huge followers. Uh, followings. It's not about having the most people listen to you. It's about pointing them to Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about for me and it, what it should be all about for you. You know, if, if I only point you to myself, I'm a failure. I'm an utter failure. But if I point you to Jesus and say, follow him. You know, the truth is, all of us have looked up to people in our lives and they have disappointed us, haven't they? We've all had people that we respected, we looked up to, and then something happened, and they slipped and they failed because we're all human beings and we can all slip and fall. And we were disappointed in them and what happened to them. But you know, we got to remember, it's not about them. It's about Jesus. If someone can slip and cause you not to follow Jesus, you weren't following Jesus in the first place. It's all about Him. We've got to remember that. And we've got to always turn our attention and want everything we do to point to Him. You know, we get our feelings hurt. We're not recognized. We don't get enough publicity. Someone doesn't thank us for what we do or not do. I think we should do all these things. If you do something good, I want to encourage you and thank you. Uh, I, want to, I, want to say, I, I, I want to do that. But I want to tell you, it's not always going to happen, is it? There are going to be times people aren't going, to, aren't going to say, thank you for that hard work you did. There are going to be times that people say, well, you should have done that hard work, right? You know, It's not about us. We've got to always remember it's about Jesus. If you find yourself getting your feelings hurt because you didn't receive a recognition or a pat on the back or someone didn't say thank you when they should have, just remember it's... It's not about you. It's about Him. Something else I think this passage of Scripture emphasizes that, and that's this, the coming of Jesus into the world. It says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word came into the world. In verse 9 we are told of His coming into the world. In verse 11 we're told that He came to His own. In verse 15, John talks about the one who comes after him. Notice the emphasis again and again in this chapter uh, on the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior and the Son of God. He comes to us. He comes to us. In verse 17, it says the law was given through Moses. The law which shows how sinful and wicked and how much we need a Savior was given through Moses. But grace and truth did not come through, was not given through someone. 
Grace and truth came to us. God the Son, Jesus Christ, came to us. He didn't just send a message. He didn't just give us a way of salvation. He didn't just tell us the steps that we needed to take to know God. Jesus came to us and lived among us because Jesus is the way of salvation. Jesus is the way of salvation. He has come. He has come and, and it is Him. You know, I believe we need, to, we need to have correct doctrine and I believe we need to uh, understand, you know, be orthodox as believers. But I'm telling you, it's not your orthodoxy that saves you. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. He came to us to save us from our sin, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The glory of God, full of grace and truth, came to us in Jesus Christ. You know, there's something about presence, isn't there? You know, um, when, when we were uh, serving in Iowa as pastor of Memorial Baptist Church, we got to know pastors in western Iowa and uh, became good friends with Leo and Sarah Endel. And they're still, they're still a couple of our very best friends. Well, uh, one day, uh, Sarah's father, who was a farmer in Missouri, uh, had, had an accident. And uh, his tractor, you know, flipped and he, it killed him. Killed him one day. And so, uh, so, you know, that was very hard for Sarah and Leo well, we lived in Shenandoah, and uh, he lived down in Missouri, somewhere around, you know, Kansas City. And so Carla and I just said, we're going to go to the funeral. You know, it was, a, it was a couple hundred miles, but we thought we need to go to the funeral. And we went, and I just remember the, the deep impression that it made on our friends. You see, we could have sent a sympathy card we could have sent flowers, and those things would have been good. And a lot of times that's all you can do. But, but I just remember my friend even saying to this time, I'll never forget when you guys walked in and were there. There's something about presence, isn't there? God didn't just send us a message. Jesus came to us. And you know something else? As Christians, God doesn't just send you a message. Jesus comes to you. Jesus lives in you. The very presence of, the, of, of God the Son through the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. He comes to us. Man, Think of the wonder of that. That He has come to us. And He lives in us. And these unholy vessels that we are, He cleanses us and forgives us and takes up, uh, takes up residence in us. He lives in us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes to us. You know, he came to the world, he came to the party, and it wasn't much of a party for him, right? He was basically rejected by the world he made. The world didn't recognize him. It still doesn't recognize Jesus. 
who created it and sustains it. He came to his own people, to Israel, to the ones whom God promised the the plan of redemption. He came to his own family, so to speak, and they rejected him. Uh, So the world and the people of Jesus, the relatives of Jesus, by and large, did not receive him. They did not receive him. But look what it says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, among anyone, any group, any peoples, the individual, the persons who will believe and receive in him are given the right to become children of God. Every individual who believes and receives, we become children of God. Now, receiving and believing basically are the same thing. His very presence into our lives, we receive Him, we trust Him and believe what He's done. It's not just an intellectual thing, it's a a life transformation thing. It's giving our lives to Him. It's stop being the Lord of our own lives and saying, Jesus is Lord. It's receiving Him into our lives. And if you will believe and receive Him, seek to follow Him, you are given the authority, the privilege, the right to become children of God. You are born into the family of God. Now, the the language here is not Paul's language of adoption. It's the language of new birth. It's the language of new birth. You are born again when you believe and receive in Jesus. You are born spiritually into the family of God. You see, we're not children of God by natural birth. We're not children of God by natural birth. We reflect the image of God. We're made in the image of God. And even though that image is marred because of our sin, every human being you see is made in the image of God and reflects the image of God. But we do not become children of God until we believe and receive Jesus and are born again into the kingdom by believing and receiving Jesus. Look at what that means. Verse 16 tells us, From the fullness of Jesus we receive grace upon grace. Grace for those believers. We receive grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Don't you just love that? That multiplication of grace. Grace for believers never runs out. It's, there's always more. There's always more. Uh, there are, there's no circumstance or problem or difficulty that you or I might face. That there's going to be a shortage of God's grace. God provides eternal salvation and every other thing we need in this life through Jesus. And His grace never runs out. His grace never runs out. Look at what this verse says in Romans. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Wow. So we see grace upon grace. It will never run out. And also we have the great privilege of knowing the eternal God. Now, verse 18, look at what it says. No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Who is the only God who is at the Father's side? That is the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus. He has made Him known. 
He has made his known. So if you know Jesus, you know the true and living and eternal God. If you've seen Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you know God. If you want to know God, you have to know Jesus. Jesus told Philip he had seen, if he'd seen him, he'd seen the Father. And so if you know Jesus, you know the Father. You have eternal relationship. You know, in the Old Testament, there were people that wanted to see God. Moses said, Lord, I want to see your face. And God said, you can see my back. Remember that? I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. But, you know, if, if they had seen Jesus, they had seen the Father. Uh, and, if, and if you know Jesus, you do know the Father. We have the eternal privilege of knowing the, uh, the eternal God of the universe in Jesus. You see, Christmas was born in the eternal heart of God. God the Son stepped into history and declares who and what God is really like. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Jesus born in Bethlehem as a baby who grew up, who, who lived and died for us, is the very God of eternity who comes to save us from our sin. Do you know Him? Have you received Him? Are you believing in Him today? Have you become His child by putting your trust in Him? Do you recognize He's always with you? He'll never leave you or forsake you. His grace will never run out in your life. He lives in you if you have believed and received Him. Jesus of Nazareth is the very God of eternity who alone can save us from our sin. Our Father, we thank you that though we were, we were in sin, we were rebels, you loved us and you sent your Son. He came to us. He lived among us. He died for us on the cross and He rose again. And Lord, we thank You, Lord, that that we have, if we are believers, not only knew that You came to earth physically and bodily, but You live in us by the presence and person of Your Holy Spirit. That Jesus in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, thank You. Thank You, Lord. I pray that there's one here that doesn't know you, that's never put their trust in you. May today be the day that they give their life to you. I pray that those who know you, and Lord, maybe they're discouraged, and maybe they think the darkness is going to overcome the light. Oh, Lord, and maybe they don't realize that what they're going through, Lord, it seems, they seem dry, and, and uh, they don't realize, Lord, that that you're going to provide them everything they need to get through whatever they're going through in life. Just let them sense and know that this morning, as your children, that you will never fail them, that your grace will never be exhausted. We praise you, Lord. We bless you. We ask you to draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.